Anybody ready to get into the word? Can you help me do one thing? Can you help me join all, or welcome all of our first-time guests and online guests joining in right now? Come on, let's make some noise for them. First time, if you're a first-time guest, uh, here's what we want you to know. We're so glad you're here, and we just pray that you leave better than you came. That's it. So glad you're here, and I hope you leave better than you came. Tonight's gonna be a really fun night. We're in week two. If you weren't here last week, we had week one of our five for five. Five speakers for five minutes. Some went 12. He doesn't have a mic right now. It could be, could not be. Uh, five speakers for five minutes is gonna be amazing. We got five amazing communicators behind me. Well, you know, you guys know some, Pastor Petey and Sarah, Pastor Justin, Kelly, uh, Mighty Mouse Tony. It's gonna be amazing. Um, here's what I need you to do, though. Here's what I need you to do. Being up here, is not the most uh, comfortable thing in the world. It's not the most easy thing looking at a thousand people in the face and about to preach for five minutes. So what I need you to do is lean in, need you to take notes, and you have a part to play in tonight. You have a big part to play in how you talk back. This is not a quiet church, right? They say a quiet church is a dead church, and I, last time I checked, Sub 30's not dead. So my boy Shaq will lead the way, but I need you to lean in, I need you to talk back, I need you to take notes, but it's gonna be an amazing night. First up, we have my boy Tony Perez. Can you guys help me welcome Tony Perez to the stage? Hey, Sub30, how we doing tonight? You guys good? All right. Hey, I'm excited to be here. I know the group, we're excited, we're honored. We don't take this opportunity lightly, but before we jump in, I need you guys to know something. Here at Celebration Church, I believe that we have one of the greatest, most influential young adult pastors in the country here at Sub 30. And I need you guys to show Pastor Clay some love. <laughs> Pastor Clay, Pastor Layton, Pastor Keith, yeah. Hey, we love you. Happy belated birthday, just turned 31. Rocking a black eye. We honor you, and uh, we're better because of you and your leadership. So um, let's go ahead and let's, let's jump in. So tonight, I'm excited, the group's excited. We got an awesome word for you. So I'm gonna go ahead and set up what our, our topic is. If, we've, if we had to have a title or a theme for tonight, it would be the four suits of a king. So the inspiration behind this title comes from a deck of cards. So in each suit, in the deck of cards, it represents many different things, and you're gonna hear a lot about those things tonight. But what's interesting is that each suit in a deck of cards represents the different stages and seasons of life that you and I go through. So tonight, we're gonna look at the life of King David. From the time he was anointed, from the time that he was crowned king, and even beyond that, David, who's commonly known as the man after God's own heart, throughout his life he has faced many difficulties. And what we want you to see is throughout his life how his heart was tested and challenged throughout experiencing the different seasons through the different stages through wearing the four suits of a king. Are you guys ready to dive in? 
All right, I'm gonna pray and we're gonna get started. God, we love you. We thank you for today. We just thank you for this opportunity, God. Lord, we pray that your name will continue to be exalted, God. We pray that your name will continue just to reign supreme in our lives, God. We give you this night, God. Have your way in this place. And everybody said, amen, amen. Awesome. So the four suits of a king. Tonight, I have the honor and the privilege to open us up we have the graphic? Awesome. We have the graphic behind us too. Way to go. Um, so I have the privilege and the honor of kicking us off with the suit of the king of hearts. So the king of hearts, something that it represents is it represents the first season of our life. It represents the first period of childhood. Think of it like the beginning. So when we look at David's life, we all know that he eventually becomes king but how often do we focus on the time period of him leading up to the anointing? When he was just a shepherd boy in the field singing praises to God. So at this time when he's in the field, King Saul is the first king of Israel. So King Saul, he was a big guy, so he looked the part. I mean, he had the qualities and the characteristics needed to be a king but the thing is, King Saul lacked the very thing that God was looking for in a king, a man after his own heart. So God was more interested in what the king's heart looked like, not what the king looked like. So this is, this is where David comes into the picture. Samuel is off to anoint, this is a long story short, by the way. Samuel is off to, to anoint the next uh, king and God leads him to David's house. So he gets to David's house and right before the anointing begins, God says to Samuel in 1 Samuel 16, 7, do not consider his appearance or his height. And all the short people in the room said, amen, amen. That was for me and everybody else. Mighty mouse, amen. <laughs> Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I love that. I love that. The Lord, the Lord looks at the heart. God's saying, hey, don't get it twisted. I'm not looking at the things that the world is looking at to promote. It's not all about tall, dark, and handsome. It's not all about a cute face and a thin waist. Hey, God doesn't promote that way in his kingdom. So what God was saying, he said, hey, Samuel, don't be distracted by what you see on the outside because what's on the outside doesn't matter. It's what's on the inside that counts. God is not interested in who can look the part. He's interested in who can be the part. Now, I love my wife. Hey, girl. But I did not choose to marry her because she looked the part. Yeah, she's beautiful, and yes, she has a good job, and yes, I'm earning brownie points right now. But what sold me was her heart. And out of eight brothers, King David, or David, shepherd boy at the time, David's heart is what set him apart, not his looks. So God was king in David's heart. God was king in David's heart. How do I know that? Because he was in the fields shepherding and worshiping. In other words, he was being obedient to where God had called him at the time. 
In, in, in the position he was in, it didn't influence his ability to continue to praise God and seek him. So that's exactly why God anointed David to be the next king, regardless of his age, regardless of his size, regardless of his looks, regardless of his qualifications, none of that mattered. The only thing that mattered was his heart, and that's what God was looking at. Sub 30, hey, be encouraged. The blessings that God has for you, the opportunities that God has for you, everything that God has for you is not dependent on where you're currently positioned. It's dependent on where your heart is currently positioned. God's not looking for people who have it all together. That's good news. You could be jobless, homeless, and bitter, and God will still use you. Show me one person that Jesus used who was qualified. You can't because there are none. The only thing that God needs is your heart. That's good news. If you have a beating heart, you are qualified. You just need to give him your heart, and he will give you everything else. Something that I've, I've noticed is, is a positioned heart looks a lot like a surrendered heart which is why David was so successful in everything he did. David's success was the, David's heart was the foundation for his success. See, when you position your heart to God, when you position it to his ways and to his word and everything that he is, then God begins to position you to receive everything that he's been waiting to give you. It allows you to receive even the very thing that he needs you to give others, his unconditional love. A love that, that is never, it never leaves you nor forsakes you. Regardless of what you have done or what you will do, God's love never leaves you or forsakes you. So when you experience this type of love, when you experience, it will forever transform the way you walk, forever transform the way you talk and act. So when God was saying, hey, I need someone after my own heart, he was saying, I need someone who's gonna know my love for people. I need someone who's gonna know my heart for people and be able to accurately display and reflect that to all ends of the earth. David was many things in his life. He was many things, but what made him so successful was the position his heart was in. David's love for God came from personally knowing God's love for him. Sub 30, I need you to be encouraged tonight that the opportunities that God is waiting to give you, the blessings that God is waiting to pour out on your life, everything that he has for you is less about the position you're in and more about the position your heart is in. When you position your heart, he will position you. Come on, if you believe that tonight, then give God some praise. Hey guys, so we're gonna continue with David, and I have the honor of talking about the King of Clubs, which represents um, youth, mind, intellect, and immaturity. Yay. <laughs> Um, no, it is very interesting. And um, so just to catch us up, I'm gonna be in 1 Samuel 23, which is like a big jump from where Tony just was. And so just to recap, 
like very much so recapping a lot, but David gets anointed as king and then he continues to be a shepherd. Eventually he brings his brothers some food on the battlefield and at that point is the story, David and Goliath, he defeats the giant on the battlefield. After that, Saul takes notice of him and invites David to come live with him. So David's living with Saul, who Saul is the king of Israel, David is young and anointed to be future king. And at that point, something happens and Saul just decides to kind of like drift from God. And at that point, an evil spirit comes over God is what the Bible tells us. And Saul begins to pursue David's life and try to kill him. And this escalates so much to where David gets a spear thrown at him and it nearly misses him. And so David flees, the cat. I mean flees, he just runs to the wilderness and he's like, God, I don't know what to do. You've anointed me, I was in the palace, it looked like it was going this way and now I'm in the wilderness because he's trying to kill me. And so we meet David here in 1 Samuel, he's fled and um, kind of like, I don't know how to describe these people, but just like kind of criminals, they like, don't really have any place in society, but like they need to go somewhere, end up with David. And so David becomes the leader of like this like ragtag band of guys, but he's a great leader. And um, so we meet David in 1 Samuel 23. And I was reading this and I thought it was super interesting and you'll see what happens. It's like a story, it has like a real big twist in it. But after I read it, I was like, gosh, like, how did he do that? Like, that's crazy. I wonder how old he was. And I found out that David was estimated to be 22 to 30 years old. And so he was like our age when this story happened. And so I reread it and I was like, okay, well, what can I learn from this? Like, I'm in that age group. Like, what did David do that maybe I can do today? And so I found three things that I think are great for us in like the time of life that we're in that the big group of us kind of fall into where we're, you know, we're growing intellectually, we're growing in our mind, we're kind of deciding where we're gonna go. And so we'll start in verse one, and I'm gonna read very quickly and paraphrase a lot, but we'll start in verse one. It was reported to David, look, the Philistines are fighting against Kalia and raiding the threshing floors. So David inquired the Lord, should I launch an attack against the Philistines? The Lord answered David, launch an attack against the Philistines and rescue Kalia. But David's men said to him, look, we're afraid here in Judah, how much more if we go to Kalia against the Philistine forces? Once again, David inquired of the Lord and said, God, should I go? God said, go at once to Kalia, for I will hand the Philistines over to you. Then David and his men went to Kalia, fought against the Philistines, drove their livestock away, inflicted heavy losses on them. So David rescued the inhabitants of Kalia. And the first thing I noticed is never shy away from a king-sized battle. You know, this was, this was Saul's battle. This was not David's battle. Saul was king of Israel. This was Saul's battle. Kalia is a province of Judah. This was Saul's battle. David had been anointed king and so he felt a burden for the people of Israel. And I think so many times, like I know for me, I can just speak for myself, but in this age of life, it's like, God, what am I called to do? What am I called to do? When am I gonna walk in what I'm called to do? And this really spoke to me in just pursue the battle. Where is your heart burdened? Just go there. If my heart is burdened for whatever, for a homeless man on the street, go give him money. That's a king size battle, it's not my job, but I'm gonna do it because I'm pursuing that. And so the first thing that I think we can learn from David here is pursue the battle. It might not be the end will be all of your calling, but if you have a burden on your heart for it, pursue the battle. And so as we keep reading, basically what ends up happening is Saul finds out David is in Kalia. And so Saul decides, okay, great, like he's so stupid, we're gonna go get him, he's in a fortified city, like this is it. So Saul finds out, David's in Kalia, David finds out that Saul knows, and so Saul, David goes to God and is like, hey God, like is Saul really gonna come here? Like you just gave me this victory, like is Saul really gonna come here and are these people gonna turn me over to him? Like I just defeated the Philistines and saved their city. And God says, well, first of all, yes, Saul is going to come here. And second of all, yes, these people are gonna turn you over to Saul. And so David's like, okay, so, I have to run, I've got 600 men following me. We have to go somewhere, I have to save these guys. And so I love this. 
He says, um, the Bible says he went from place to place and he ended up in the wilderness of Zippah. And uh, when I first read that, I thought that was like a super interesting name. I was like, gosh, what does that even mean? And so I looked it up, excuse me. I just did like a half dab on stage, so. <laughs> so, okay. Um, so I went to the wilderness of Zippah and, um, okay, so Zippah actually is a wilderness in Judah and Israel and it means, uh, what does it mean? But it is a town below the southern tip of the Dead Sea with a dramatically varied landscape. And if you were to look this up on Google Images, it literally looks like a bunch of different sized hills and on those hills are like these random divots. And so it's like a place that you'd be like, I would never travel there. That's where David takes his men and they're like running from Saul there. And I kind of thought about it and I was like, gosh, like have I ever found myself there? Like have I ever found myself in a place of Zippah? And like, I just realized that sometimes I think we can have a great victory and we're like, yes, this is my calling and I'm walking in it and everything's good. And then it's like, oh my gosh, I'm in a wilderness of Zippah and I don't know what's gonna be the next step and I don't know where I'm going. And it's like, excuse me, I think it's so easy like to just kind of give up and just kind of be like, okay, well, I guess that really wasn't my calling and I guess that's not really what I'm supposed to do because now I'm here and God forgot about me and I'm not doing anything. But the reality is God let David win a victory because David was leading 600 men at that time. So he won a victory. He led a team of men into a victory and now he's leading them through a really rough time in a rocky place. And what we know is that David ends up becoming king. David needed this time in the wilderness to mature, to grow strategy. Okay, what do I do? So now when he leads the, the country of Israel, he can say, hey guys, guess what? I've been here before. Let's go. I know where I'm going. So don't be discouraged when you're in the wilderness. Growth pains hurt. They're called growth pains. So we have to acknowledge that when we're in that moment with God and we're like, God, have you forsaken me? Where are you? God's saying, hey, grow up. We're gonna move through something so you can learn something. And we're gonna come out the other side and we're gonna be better together. And so the last thing, and I'm gonna end with this. Um, and this is, I really, I just love this. And so he ends up in the wilderness of Zippah and the very next line says, Saul searched for him every day. Saul was relentless. And then it says, but God did not hand David over to him. You know, I don't know about you, but that really made me think, how many but gods do I need to be thankful for in my life? How many times have I been pursued by the enemy, not even knowing of it, but God? You know, I wanna encourage you, Sub 30, you may be in a victory, you may be in a valley, but regardless of where you are, God is in the middle, and it says, but God. Our enemy can be over here, but our victory is here, but God. So let's stand on that word tonight and let's know whatever we're going through, but God. So the king of diamonds represents career, value, security, judgment, adulthood, responsibility. And so in this stage we've, we're coming into now, we look at David's life and David has now become king. And we see that David, man, just, uh, just like Kelly was talking about, that David is, is flowing in the anointing and flowing in the gifts and the, the promises of God. But in, in Samuel, 2 Samuel um, 11, we see the fall, and everybody knows the story about David watching the girl take a bath. No, it's not a woe. It's a no. Um, and so we, we notice that... <laughs> So we notice David, and everybody knows the story about the fall and about how David found himself in a situation susceptible to sin. 
And yet we, we, we know the stories about, well, here's David, the king after God's own heart, the man after God's own heart. How has that man become the man standing on a balcony by himself staring at a woman? And I could spend a whole time on, on the, the sin, but what I wanna talk to you about is his way of repentance. See, I think that David stayed blessed and David stayed having favor in his life because of the way that David found repentance. Because see, in that, in that whole thing, in, in verse 12, or chapter 12, right after the fall, he's, he's, convinced, he's confessing his sins and he's, he's getting, getting a picture, but I love what he writes. In Psalms 51.10, and you know the scripture, I think this is beautiful. It says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence. Do not take the Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy of my salvation and uphold me with your generous spirit. I wanna break that down because I think there's something powerful in this repentance verse. Because we gotta figure out, okay, well, how did, how did the king at this time get himself in a situation where he's alone? Because this scripture that I just read explains what David's mindset was. It's, it, we, we see he's saying, Lord, I need you to restore the joy of my salvation. So we have to look at the stage of life that he's in. See, he's gotten into this rhythm with God. God's favor, everywhere he goes, he finds favor, he finds victory, and he finds himself in a rhythm, and he finds himself getting comfortable with his relationship with God. See, that's a bad place to be in because you kind of get used to God doing things for you. You kind of get used to of just kind of walking and it starts happening for you. But see, David let his heart get comfortable and he sent men away from him. His, his people that were supposed to hold him accountable sent them away to battle and found himself alone on a rooftop in a comfortable situation. But I think that's so incredible because I think what he's capturing in this, in this verse, he's understanding because he's already seen what happens when the Holy Spirit withdraws from you. He just witnessed Saul mentally go crazy because of being separated from the Holy Spirit. And so he's pleading. This is not just a, hey, God, this is a good song. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. No, this is David pleading. God, create in me a clean heart. I'm messed up. I need you right now. Because God, if you withdraw your spirit from me, I know I can't move on. See, that's what had David had come to and he knew, man, that if he could repent, that God would withhold him. God would stand with him. And see, when sometimes we get to a place in our life where we let our sins kind of overbear us and we don't bring it out. See, David had a place to, convince, to tell people, hey, I messed up. See, God's not gonna give you a situation where you can't get out of the situation you're in. God is surrounding you with people to confess your sins. He's always gonna give you a way and he's always gonna give you a way to show that you're truly repenting. And so we look, as David is pleading, God, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Don't take your Holy Spirit. And God, please do not withdraw your presence from me. Do not cast me out of your presence because God, I know that I need to be in your presence because he understood something happens when he is in the presence of God. I love that it talks about David, that when David spent time with God, that there was a physical appearance that changed about him. That when It said that when people saw him, they could recognize when he spent time with God just by the way he looked. That's what I want. I want to be able to walk even though I messed up, even though I want to be able to walk out and say, hey, people say, man, that guy spent time with God. 
That's what I want. I, more than anything, more than opportunities to speak in front of people, I want to stay in the presence of God. It's the only place there's freedom. And I love this last part. And he says, Lord, restore the joy of my salvation. Restore the king of hearts in my life. Bring me back to that first love. Bring me back to where I fell in love with you in the field and play in my heart. God, bring me back to that moment. Bring me back and see, we get into this walk with God where it becomes so normal, we forget about love. We forget about, it's not a one-way thing where God's just gonna pour out in our life, but God wants to see us love him. So tonight, man, I wanna encourage you that it, that be your song. Let that be what happens because we'll, we're gonna mess up. Some of us may mess up before we leave this room. I hope not. But when we do, it, it's all about repentance, man. And it's all about saying, God, I need to purify my heart. God, clean my heart. Don't cast me from your presence. Don't withdraw your Holy Spirit from me. God, restore that joy of my salvation. I wanna fall in love with you more today than ever before. I wanna move forward with my relationship with you. everyone's been speaking on. We're not here just to talk about like a person and tell you his life story. We're kind of here to tell you what you can learn from it. And the thing I love about David is how real he was. There was no such thing as Snapchat or Instagram in his time. So he couldn't go through and find the perfect filter that covered up all of his blemishes and present that to God. And I feel like David embodies so much and so to kind of look back on his life and see the situations where he could have filtered a lot of things, like some really testy situations, like the whole deal with David and Goliath. I don't know about y'all, but I don't wanna go up against no giant. That's like, that blows my mind, that's psycho. I see a six foot tall person and I feel like I'm terrified. So no giant in my life, that would be fine. But to think about the amazing testimony that came out of that, a testimony of having bold faith and allowing God's strength to just work through our weakness is incredible. And when you go on through David's life, you see some really messy situations. Like the whole deal with Bathsheba was a really messy situation. But it didn't just stop there. David's family was kinda like a hot mess. Like Psycho, if you could picture the drama of the Kardashians mixed with like the murder of Game of Thrones, that's pretty much David's family. <laughs> like you thought your family was crazy? No, David's family was like a psycho hot mess like no other. But despite that crazy hot mess, an incredible message came out of that. And so that leads me to tell you that David led a life that had many different seasons, but in this season of his life, he definitely represents the spade. And the spade stands for old age. It represents wisdom and environment and health. And those are the four things I'm gonna hit. So clearly we're at a point where David's gotten a lot older. He's getting to the point where he's ready to pass on Israel to the next successor, the next person who's gonna take Israel and just triumph like David never could. And if you think about it, in David's hot mess of a family, there's a lot of people that could be the next successor. David had 19 sons. So he definitely had a lot of options on who could take over for him. But out of his options, it was kind of terrifying. Like some of his sons were trying to actually overthrow him for the throne. Some of them were killing each other. That's not exactly who you wanna take over Israel. But out of those sons, out of a very messy situation in David's life with Bathsheba, actually, they had a son named Solomon. 
Solomon was the 17th out of 19 sons that David had. So he's definitely not who you would consider to be the next heir to the throne. But despite everything that was going on in David's life, despite all the people who were trying to overthrow him and people who were trying to step in and show him what he should do next and tell him what he should do next, he did one thing. He never took his eyes off God. David embodied what it is to be human. He messed up a lot, but we all have. Maybe not to the same scale that he messed up, but sin is sin no matter what. God sees sin from heaven, he looks down, it's all on the same level. On the earth, we've kind of justified it and we're like, murder's up here and then lying's way down here. But God sees it from heaven. He doesn't see it on the level we do. So throughout David's life, there's really, there's a lot of stuff that if it were in today's world, we would have filtered it. But he didn't filter it. And that's what we learn from. So he goes on to name Solomon as his successor. And Solomon goes on to be known as the wisest man of his time. People literally come from around the world just to hear what he has to say. But the most incredible thing about that is that later as Solomon is reigning over Israel, God gives Solomon, the wisest man, some advice. And he says, if you chase after my heart, like your father David did, then I'll bless you with everything that I gave to your father as well. Isn't that kind of crazy? We never really talk about David as being a wise man, but God tells the wisest man in the Bible that he should do exactly what his dad did. And that takes me to tell you that there's two people in this room. Some of you are David's. Some of you know that there are people in your life who are gonna speak into your present situation and your present circumstance, but you know that God's gonna speak into your purpose. And so you're the David that's not allowing your environment to affect your eternity. You're the David that knows that sometimes it's not all about you. Sometimes you're the one raising up the king who's gonna take over. But some of you are Solomon. Some of you feel like, I'm not even close. There's no way anyone's gonna look at me and allow me to step up and give me an opportunity. I'm gonna be overlooked. But what you've gotta realize is nothing is a surprise to God. As much as David screwed up, none of it was a surprise. It wasn't a surprise that he was gonna turn over Israel to Solomon. It's not a surprise that you're going through the financial trouble that you're in. It's not a surprise that that relationship didn't work out. It's not a surprise that your job isn't perfect. It's not a surprise that your family's having issues. Some of you in this room are Solomon and you need to have that bold faith to know that God's already setting a place for you. He's building a foundation for you. And so to go back to the card and to kind of tie it in together, we're at a place where David's really wise. We see that. We see that his environment did not affect his eternity. We see that he's getting older. But that one last statement was health that the card represents. And to me, the most incredible thing is the age that David died at. He was 70 years old when he died. Doesn't seem very old. But he went through a lot of stuff. And biblically, seven in the Bible actually represents physical and spiritual perfection. And 10 represents completeness in God's law. So David, despite everything that he went through, literally died at an age where he was spiritually 
and mentally perfect in God's law. So I don't know about y'all. I don't necessarily wanna go when I'm 70 years old, but I definitely wanna go at a place where God looks at me and he says, you're perfect in my eyes. And to look back and to see how we got there was David was pretty simple. He loved God, he was obedient to God, he was always humble before God, he never presented some altered version of himself. See, God loved David's heart because David loved God's heart. And that's a part of God that I think we tend to forget too often. If we are made in God's image and his likeness, then if we have a heart, he has a heart. And just as much as our heart breaks, God's breaks a thousand times more. And that's what David saw. David noticed that, he recognized that. But the one thing he always did, to go back to what Pastor Justin said, was he always presented himself in the presence of God with a true repentant heart. Despite what was going on in the world around him, he would always turn away from the world and he would turn to God. So if you're gonna take away anything from the end of David's life, don't worry about the stuff that happened in the beginning. You have to learn somehow. You have to allow yourself to fail. You have to allow yourself to screw up, but it's not what happens in your life, it's how you react to what happens. And David's reaction was always turning away from the world and turning back to God. Well, there you have it, sub 30. The four suits of the king of a, of a deck of playing cards. The four suits of a king of Israel. You know, uh, we could have told you where we were headed with this message from the beginning, but to put it frankly, we didn't want to show you all of our cards at first. <laughs> See y'all next week. No, I'm just kidding. All right. <laughs> yes. And we're good. But, but here's why. In all, in all seriousness, it's, it's a true statement, and, and here's why. Because the fact of the matter is this. You, you've learned here tonight that the, the life of David um, is certainly can't be described as being boring, right? That man had more fluctuations of seasons than a lot of the biblical characters that we have. But here's what's important to grasp, is that although his seasons and his suits were constantly changing, there was one thing, one thing that never, ever changed, and that was the promise of God of King David's kingship of Israel and Judah. <laughs> and here's the thing. God, in every season, in every moment of our life, is building you to be better. Is building you for greatness. Is putting you on a track that's destined toward eternity. The same way that King David was on a track that had its ups and its downs. We're on a track that has its ups and its downs. But here's the thing, all throughout the thing, it, it was tough, you know, but God never ever came back on his promises. See, 2 Samuel uh, chapter seven, we see this, this, this God come in through, through, through the prophet Nathan and he comes to, to, to David and he makes this covenant with him. It's a, it's a promise that the Messiah, the Savior of all of Israel and Judah will come through the bloodline of David, that the Savior of the world will sit on the throne forevermore and come from David himself. Man, what a beautiful, beautiful part of the story of David. But here's what's important. The story wasn't over, you know? It was the heart 
It was David's heart that got him to be king. But unfortunately, the, the story wasn't over. You know, it was David's flesh that caused him to sin. But fortunately, that story wasn't over. You know, your story's not over. My story's not over. King David's story was not over. You know, in the beginning of, of, of the story of mankind, in the book of Genesis, it tells us that God made all things. And the book of Revelation tells us that God one day is going to make all things new, a new creation, a new heaven, a new, a new earth. And all throughout the time, he's made a promise to us that he's placed us into eternity with him to restore us to the relationship that he first desired right there into eternity with each and every one of us. The same way that we watch King David has his highs and have his lows, but now sits in eternity with God. Here's the fact. I, we can't, we don't know what you came to Sub 30 wearing tonight. We don't know the suit you had on. Maybe it's a suit of confusion. Maybe it's a suit of unforgiveness. Maybe it's a suit of revenge. Maybe it's a, a suit of depression. Maybe it's a, a suit of, of just lostness. Maybe you don't even know what's happening in your life and you're so confused. And you know what? I don't know what got you in that suit. I don't, I don't know. It could result in so many thousands of different things that got you there. But here's what I know. I know that tonight God wants to make a wardrobe change. And here's why I know it. See, the Bible the Bible tells us that we are clothed in righteousness. The Bible tells us that we are co-heirs to Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that we are cloaked in the glory of salvation. And listen to me, Sub 30, don't you for a minute let anyone or anything convince you that if you wear it and it's not of God, that it will bring you any sort of life change or any sort of freedom that only God can provide to you in every single season of your life. Ask King David. And so here's what we're gonna do. Every eye closed, every head bowed, I'm just gonna ask you a simple question. Maybe you came in here tonight wearing clothes that you never wanna wear again. And maybe they are bearing you down and maybe it, it, it promised you fulfillment at first, but the longer you wear it, the heavier it gets. And you feel like it's just soaking wet and it's dragging you down and it's, it's stopping you from reaching your potential and it's stopping you from reaching the greatness that God has instilled inside of you. And maybe today you're ready to take that weight off and you're ready to be clothed in righteousness all over again right here tonight. If tonight you're ready for God to make a wardrobe change in you, if you're ready to be suited in the kingship that that is God. I want you to lift your hand in three seconds. Here we go. One, two, three. Come on, let's lift a hand. That's so great. There are hands up everywhere. All right, you can put them down. Now listen, um, go ahead and stand to your seat uh, or stand to your feet. Stand, stand on your seats. So here's the deal. I'm going to pray for everybody who just raised your hand here in a second. But man, at sub 30, we never, ever, ever, ever want to end a service, walk out of a service without reaching out to give you the gift of salvation without offering Jesus Christ into your life. And so maybe tonight you've experienced Jesus in a way that you never have before. Maybe tonight you've, you've had Jesus explain to you as, as, as a loving savior and not a judgmental God. So maybe tonight you wanna to commit or recommit your life to Jesus Christ. If that's you, with every eye closed, every head bowed, I want you to go ahead and lift your hand in three seconds. Ready, one, two, Three. Go ahead and lift him high. Come on, that's awesome, man. There are hands up everywhere. Nice. So good. 
So here's what we're gonna do. Um, as a family here at Sub Theater, we're gonna pray for everybody who just raised their hand for salvation. We're gonna pray it together. Then I'm gonna pray for everybody who raised their hand to be clothed in righteousness here tonight. And then we're gonna seal it with worship, baby. Right? We're gonna seal it with worship and then we're going home and it's gonna be the best week of our whole life. Are you ready for this? Here we go. Come on, Sub 30. Let's pray for everybody who received Jesus here tonight. God, I love you. Come on, Sub 30. God, I love you. I give you my everything. I am yours and you are mine. God, I give you my life. I give you the best parts of me. I give you the worst parts of me. I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus died on a cross so that I can have life and life abundant. May I decrease so you can increase. God, we love you. In your sins, let me pray. Amen and amen. Now I'm gonna pray for everybody who raised their hand just a second and then we're gonna seal that and worship God. We just love you so much. And Jesus, we're just so grateful for all that you do in our life, God, that you are such a giving, incredible, amazing God. And right now, God, we just, I thank you for everybody who raised their hand, God. I just pray that you lift off the chains that may be pulling them down, God, and that you replace it. Clothe them in righteousness, God. Clothe them in your glory here tonight, God. We love you, we worship you, and we praise you. Amen.